Welcome, everyone. We are back for another week with our program, Let's Grow Together, with your host, Mordechai Weinberger, LCSW. That's Mordechai Weinberger, licensed clinical social worker. The number to call in with your question or comment is 718-683-5858. That's 718-683-5858. And looking forward to taking your call. At the same time, if you'd like to text, where are First, going to be taking, of course, all those callers. However, if there's going to be a text, we might take some of those as well. And that number is 347-927-8398. 347-927-8398. I'd like to start with a text that we've gotten earlier on. So we'll just take that one as well as a message that I got someone texting in from England really calling my line. And I'll explain both why we need parents or people to call in, specifically for this reason. So the main reason, the question let's start with that I got in over here was, what type of doctor therapist work on my child that kind of twitches off her body and acts crazy or freaks out when someone gets her a little upset, yet afterwards doesn't remember how she acted? When asked, why did she act that way? She says, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't have a name. I'm sorry, not a name. I don't have an age. I don't know when you're saying the word twitches, is it out of anger and then it's simply behavioral? Chances are parents might need a parenting or unfortunately this might even be sometimes where you're worried about seizures and things like that. There are a lot of signs to be concerned. So just from a text, there is so many different ways to take it that if I can ask a question or two, I can't help. Similar question we got from a person in England. And what this person said was, I have certain fears, not even going in details which ones, a little claustrophobia once had. His parents have no issues. How do you help? Not even sure what the problem is. It's imagine you're telling someone I'm in financial deficit. We're not talking about the company. Is the company making enough money? Is the company not? Is your company making enough money and you're spending too much at home? So much about therapy, the first session and many times up to three sessions are about evaluations. There are two places in the United States where they do a comprehensive two-week evaluations and they cost about $50,000 for those evaluations. Yes, two places top. One of them is in Harvard. One of them is in another place. But I want you to understand the importance of understanding a question before you answer it. Therefore, when I get these general questions, I'd like to address it, but I don't even know which way to go. And many times I get from the phone line where people tell me, thank you for addressing it, but I really meant so-and-so. And no, I'm sorry, but I cannot take your question four times to clarify that you're going to be sending via text. It's meant for awareness. I can do the best that I can. That's if you do it via text. But if it's calling in person, then we can definitely take it a lot better and go into more detail and understand what the question is. The number is 718 683 5858 718 5858. Eight, eight. We've had one or two people and we seem to have lost you, so sorry about that. Feel free to just try it again. 718-683-5858. Till we get the callers coming in, I'd like to share with you with one more concept that we've had this week. It was kind of interesting because on the phone line, that number is 718-298-2011, 718-298-2011, there was a question and comment that I actually put on. And that question and comment was about some of the difficulties, some of the stresses that I was going through in that past week. Baruch Hashem, a lot of successes, but at the same time, a lot of stress, reorganizing, structuring, people not being comfortable with the structure. 
I was, I sort of put it out there that I wonder if it's a positive or a negative that I'm sharing some of the personal stuff that is going on in my life. But I felt it was needed for myself and for those listening. So what has happened was we must have gotten, I must have gotten probably 10 to 15 messages within 24 hours after that, all stating how amazing it was. And it was interesting to hear from people validating a belief that when they look up to people, you cannot see any wrong in them. You cannot imagine or see that they're having any difficulties. And that's so not true. And several of the messages were, I can't believe you're still normal or you're human or you go through these things. And the answer is absolutely. Another person said they were able to give themselves more the permission to hear. And they even heard the frustration in my voice and the question and answer that I did that someone said, you're probably going to remove it in several days from now because when you did it, we can tell in your voice you're frustrated. And part of the reason why I kept it is to keep and for people to realize, yes, everyone gets frustrated. I'm not going to talk about the G'daylum. I'll let them speak well for themselves, but we'll say the regular people all get frustrated. We'll all get angry. And our job is to work on it and how to master that. And yes, that's where the Svarim come in. So what I would like to create is further the bigger awareness is we all make mistakes. We all need validation. We're all going to make changes in our lives. We're all going to be frustrated during the changes. But how frustrated? How you act? Are you going to listen to the messages and change or not? These are all the points that we would like to create the awareness and the changes in people's lives. The number to call in, 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. One more point, I guess, till the callers come in that I'm going to focus on. And that is coming up to Yamim Tevim. Usually every year, about this time, we get several of OCD people that are coming in. Fears, making mistakes, and along those lines. That's interesting that this year I haven't gotten that. However, there's a peacefulness that I'd like people to walk away with with a little concept. And that is that the Rabbi Shalom is there for us. He put us on this world, and we're meant to grow. At the same time, we're going to make mistakes. And if you're going to this Yoimadin with Ema and Yira more than we see, or more that we think is appropriate, to contact Yerav. That's the goal that I would like this message to come out. Not that you're right. Not that you're wrong. Not that it should be changed. I don't want any of that. I'm not going to go paskin about your hashkafa. What I will tell you is that there's supposed to be a certain level of Eima, there's supposed to be a certain level of Yira for the Eimadin. At the same time, there is supposed to be a healthiness of balance, of continuing, of confidence as it's brought down Halacha, that right after Hashanah, right after Yom Kippur, you're supposed to feel that you had a successful Ksav and you're written for a Chayim Aruchim and for a successful year. And if not, understand, it's not Yiddishkeit that you are suffering from, but rather a disorder. It's not me, the therapist, to tell you that. It's the Rav that can evaluate if it's Yiddishkeit or if it's not. Once you can get that position, once you can get that clear from a Rav, now you can be aware, do you need a therapist? Or Bar Hashem, you're having the Eman, the Yira of Yom Adin, which is a very successful and powerful point to mention. 
The number to call in is 718-683-5858-718-683-5858. The number to call in if someone would like to listen to the program is um, the phone line. I wonder how you're asking this question if you're not listening through the phone line or through the internet. It's 718-298-2011, 718-298-2011, and number five is how you can listen live also to all the recordings and to all those and to all the recordings of the radio, of the Shiram and everything else that's going along with that. We got a caller, Chaim. Wow, took time to get some callers this morning. How are you doing? Hi, good morning. Good afternoon. Yes, good morning and good afternoon. Okay, right. so first of all, thank you for your show. Um, I always gain a lot from it. And my question is that I commute every day and I travel and I work out of town. And I don't seem to ever be able to get a clarity of um, an answer that I discuss with my wife very often, which is how much time do my kids need to see me every day? Um, I, you know, I see them every morning early and every night. And do I... Is there a specific amount of time that is normal to see your kids, or is it just the quality of the time? Okay, we've got, thank you for calling in, because from this trigger, we've got now, from your call, as it usually is, we've got several people calling in. So again, the number, 718-683-5858, So this is the real question, especially in Tavshinayin, Dalid, I should say 2014, let's go more to the Goyish world because this is more Goyish concepts that unfortunately has been seeping into our world. Being that we are so much more materialistic, we need more. Just take a family plan and cell phones that wasn't there 10 years ago, that there's another, let's say the average is $150 a month for that plan. It's an average $2,000 more a year just coming to plans, things that weren't needed. What has happened since then is, Fathers are working, mothers are working. There used to be normal hours of work. Today, it is normal I, to work at 10, 11 o'clock. I called up a Goyesha company for some service that I'm having, and the person says, here's my cell phone, feel free to call me whenever you'd like. That is not healthy. So what is happening now, a lot has been changing, which means hours of work is so much more. Commuting today's days is normal to spend an hour commuting. That's why in the public schools, public schools start at 7.30, start at 8 o'clock, because it takes parents an hour to get to the 9 o'clock work. Now the question is, how, what works with kids? And therefore, what I would say, it's really both. You don't work on Shabbos, don't know if you work on Sunday, or what your hours are on Friday. But if you can recognize being there for them, when you're there with them is what they need. In one of the courses that I've taken, I've, we've worked with, and I enjoy this course, just not going to say the name because it's not a Jewish course, and just being that we're working with the front people, it always gets controversial. But it was meant for therapists, meant for people to learn a method of therapy, and many of them shared how they came from a very dysfunctional household, and being that their father, which was the healthy person at the time, left the house or wasn't there during those times that things were unstable, it affected them tremendously. Which means not having a father physically there all the time, but the Shabbosim, the times when they needed it, affected them. So let's realize a father figure 
or mother figure, when we are there, the quality and the quantity are both important. So if you're going to just have quality, but you're not there once a year, that's not enough. If you're going to have quantity with them all the time, but you're yelling and screaming, unfortunately, you're going to be giving them the anxiety, giving them the fears, taking away their confidence. So the answer is, it's normal today to travel many hours. It's normal today to work lots of hours. And it's normal, unfortunately, I use this word unfortunately, it's normal for mothers to need to work many hours to help bring in parnasa or whatever is needed for whatever reasons. And therefore, what we need to recognize is this, the quality and the quantity. But if you're going to beat yourself up for what you should have been doing, for what you could have been doing, that's not real. Today, working isn't anymore from 9 to 5, and you're leaving the house at 8.30, and you're home at 5.30. Unfortunately, it's a lot more today. Today, it's normal to come home at 6, 7, 7.30, and it's normal to have that little shear at night. Or if you're a zeichot, to be able to do that and fight for that. And how long are you seeing the kids? A half hour if you're doing homework with them? Yeah, half hour. That's it. Unfortunately, this is normal today, and that's called a lot, because many parents don't even see their children from the beginning of the week and are traveling. Some people fly. The point is, when you're there, when you're there Shabbos, are you there with them? Are you tense? Are you nervous? Are you busy sleeping the whole Shabbos? Are you giving them their feelings? Yeah, well, I, I try. I, I, you know, I'd add a part to the question, which I don't know if I should be proud of or not. I'm definitely proud of it. I don't know if it's enough, though. I was trying to teach my kids the Shabbos to think about other people. So I had each one of my kids try to figure out what would make every other person in the family happy. So every single one of my kids, when they said, what would make Tati happy, or what makes Tati happy, they said, Kindleach, that Tati loves the kids. That's so I was very proud to hear that they know how much I love them. But, that, you know, that's the quality. The question is, is that enough, or do I have to increase the quantity? Maybe, it's, maybe there's a lot more to be done. Proof is in the pudding. How do they look? If it tastes like chocolate, it's chocolate in there. Are they looking happy? Mm -hmm. Are they comfortable? Yeah, All right, so you know you're doing good. And realize that that's also chinuch that you're teaching them, that sometimes you've got to do what you've got to do. Is this a short-term goal? Is this long-term goal? Is this the next 30 years of your life that you want to get there? Or is this that you're just building and starting now and you've got to start? And when you've got to start, everyone starts at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Everything goes into account. Yes. Okay. And age of your children and needs of the house, everything's taken into account. Parnassa-wise is also... Is old, it young, younger needs more or older needs more? It all depends. Generally, the younger need less of their father FaceTime. The older <laughs> ones will need a lot more. The younger ones need the mother a lot more and need the mother's calmness a lot more. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. I think that answers my question. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you Reb Chaim. From your call, we got the dashboard all lit up. Toby, you're on the air with Mordechai. Hi. Um, before I start my question, I want to ask a favor. I do not like to be told that I'm evaluated with one question and that my test is being sort of exposed. So please. I'm not understanding um, your question. You want, you want to ask me a question no, that I should not be able to answer it? No, I'm going to ask you a question, but please, if you figure out more from my question, don't tell me. And how would you like me to, so you want to ask a question, wait, but let's, let's take my side a second, because I'm almost feeling a little bit trapped over here. No problem. So I'm feeling a little trapped because if part of the answer is to get you to be aware 
then you don't want me to answer your question. No, just I don't like to be told that with one question I'm asking, I'm sort of asking five questions since I'm speaking now, what to happens a if, professional. Now, what happens if that's what you're doing? So you want me not to be in a professional now? Sort what, of like. Let's sort of like, yeah. So I'm um, so sorry to... No, no, let's, let's go differently. Then how about we don't take this question, because the point of this is for awareness. Yeah, but it is a good question. So listen to my question. If you don't want to answer, you say, I don't want to answer, I can't. You see, that gave me a choice now. I could say yes or no, and I'll choose to go down that line. Very exactly. good. Okay, my question is basically, um, when a person has anger towards people who have hurt him in the past, and he needs to let go and forgive, how does he do it? The short answer is I've got an entire hour program on my programs. Okay. I think it's, it's either 60, 61, or 62 called How to Go from Anger to Forgiveness. And okay. one of the deepest yesoides from all that answer is forget, find the part that you feel guilty about in the process. It could only be 3% and okay. forgive yourself for that. Okay. Means the other person might be 98% wrong, but 2% that you might have done something wrong once we can forgive ourselves, we're able to forgive others. And unfortunately, all those people that are angry, that are busy yelling at the whole entire world, what I find is amazing that once we could help them learn the secret of forgiveness about themselves, we see how, how they hold themselves to such a high standard. And one other interesting thing just to be aware of, listen to the words that we use when we're angry. You people are crazy, everyone are ganovim, everyone is bad and hateful. Notice that that's really what you think about yourself in that 2%. The words Toby, that I'm we... Toby, I'm not an angry I'm, We're not person. going to you. No, 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 Toby. Let's, I, I want to play by your rules. We're not talking about okay. you. It's a great Go question, ahead. and we're sticking to the great question and the great answer. Don't take it to you, because if we take it to you, I heard a lot more in that question as well that we're not going there. Great. Especially when you use the word him, so it's generally, uh, let's not go there with what I, where, where my mind makes the assumptions. So let's just stick to the person. Okay. So a general question. A when someone yeah. finds that they are angry and they can't forgive, A, it's about themselves. They are very super critical about themselves. B, notice to the words that they use about others, and that's really what they say about themselves. So I know someone that doesn't have a lot of money and was busy yelling how everyone are going to them out there, and they're looking to rob the poor. That was the words they were using for about 30 years until an opportunity came their way where they had access to a lot of money, and there was a whole question, and before you knew what happened, they first grabbed the money. And for me, for the first time, I was able to understand and put it together. So 30 years, you're not trusting yourself, and you know deep down in you, you, Chas might have acted without really thinking. And it's amazing when we listen to the words we use to others, unfortunately, many times that's what they are within ourselves, and we see that in others. And that's projection, as it's called in therapy, that's called many times transference, which is a whole different level, but it has to do similar to that. And called apostle, bemumoy apostle, these are all concepts. So the words from anger to forgiveness, the two points I'd like to share, general idea is, number one, find your component to that, Number two, notice to the words that you're using, and that's really what's going inside, and go ahead and deal with it. All right, thank you so much. You're very welcome. I'm glad we, and do you feel this was gentle and easy? Yeah, sometimes people call in, and, and I hear, I listen to your line, I hear you say um, you have, and I don't like to use the word you in general, but I hear you say, I got a lot more from your question, and, and I don't like to be exposed, like, yes. so... 
Very good. Like people, like I'm hesitating when I call in not to say anything that's going to maybe... So every time you'd like, and for all those of you listening, please feel free to give me that Hagdama, and I also feel that I'll have the choice to accept it or not, based on the question. So this way everyone feels they've got a choice here. All right, so really, thank you, and have a, a good Gabanshir. You too. Sweet, happy, healthy, wonderful year. We are going to Baruch. Baruch, you're on the air with Mordechai. Hi. Um, I called him two weeks ago, and I think it was two weeks ago. I was discussing with you about that I have an issue with um, getting angry and frustrated very easily. Mm-hmm. Um, so you told me then that basically the awareness that I'm more of an emotional person, and I should realize that I'm going to feel things a lot faster than most people. Yes. Um, my question is like this, because I was discussing this over with my wife, and basically what she was saying was, that a lot of times she feels like she's very, like, nervous to do something, which is, like, let's say not to have, like, a supper prepared when I come home or things like that because she's scared that I'm just going to be stressed out and um, upset about it, and she doesn't want to hurt me. And, like, it makes me feel very, like, bad that, like, I'm putting on such a pressure on her, and I really don't mean to do that. just, like, it's just the way I am that, like, when I... Um, was it like, um, I don't hear an echo. So on our part, it's clear. Maybe you've uh, got your radio on or the music on or something or a phone line speaker in the background. I want speaker. So speaker can do that. Okay, that's not better. Um, no, so then like, I feel bad like making her feel so pressured that like, because like, I'm just going to get stressed out for a few minutes because like, I wanted everything to be perfect. So like, I don't know how to like, deal with it. Like, so let's go ahead and take your question, and it's really divided into about three parts. Part number one is, you're an emotional person, and you're recognizing that you need to express it, and you're getting feedback from your wife that sometimes when you express it, she might be a bit afraid, or she's right. concerned when you are emotional. Step one. Another point that I hear in the question is that your wife is trying to do things to prevent you from getting stressed. So she's trying to have supper ready quicker in the way you'd like. Step three is, you don't like it, the fact that people are afraid of you or afraid of your emotions. Right. Let's start with step one. Well, I'll say, I'll just add one more to clue, though, because I know my my father, like, a very, I'm saying he really had, like, real anger issues, like, rage and, like, would scream and yell. And, like, when she tells me that, it makes me feel like, oh, no, like, I'm being like my father right now. Mm-hmm. There's so many places to go with this. Let's start with the last part. Normally in Yiddishkeit we go al rishon rishon al achron achron. Let's go achron rishon. Let's start that way. And here's okay. just information for you, which might which might not make you feel better. And it's as follows: I've got many clients that come to me, and they tell me, and they have some very negative behaviors, very negative behaviors. And they tell me, I don't understand why people are upset at me. Do you know what my mother was like? Do you know what my father was like? I'm a tzaddik compared to them. And unfortunately, not to discuss publicly too much, but there really is a lot of unhealthiness. Not a lot. There is, there is some unhealthiness in our community, people with major disorders. Just for an example, can anyone ever imagine ever a parent pulling a knife on their kid? But I've had to work with that. And kids raised with that. Have you ever had parents to have to throw kids out, young kids, seven, eight years old, sleep outside in the middle of the night, two o'clock in the morning, and throw them out? No. But I've had to work with situations like that. 
or kids that were raised in such an environment, even though they're healthier after. But what we need to realize is now this person's anger response to that, while they, when they get angry, they might be a thousand times calmer, their responses, their behavior is still inappropriate for any level, and it borderlines on abuse, or abusive, not borderlines, it is abusive. And what needs to happen to step one is awareness. You've just said awareness. So now what I'd like to tell you is just because you are so much better than your father, it goes two ways. You still might have some negative behaviors, which might be healthy from where you're coming from, but not healthy in a healthy environment. Which means the feedback from your wife does a big deal, because that's how you know if you're growing, when she's calmer or not. We're going to go into a minute about her issues that she might be having or not, why it's hard to just judge from you without speaking to her. Now let's take it the other way around. Many times because people come from a, an abusive situation, they are afraid to be assertive because in their mind, assertiveness means tough, mean, hurtful, damaging pain. And therefore they're afraid. So therefore what happens is they bottle everything up, but it explodes somewhere and then they still continue the cycle instead of learning how to deal with it healthy. So by you being an emotional person and being that you might have been raised in a house where there wasn't healthy emotional releases, healthy emotional expression, then it has a negative effect. Make sense? And what yeah. you might want to do is maybe when you come home, instead of eating, you might first need 20 minutes just talking with your wife about the stressors or having a friend that you will speak to for 10, 15 minutes and discussing what it should be before you come home. This way your wife doesn't turn into your therapist. It might even be on your own, just writing down, what am I stressful today? What's on my mind? They're just taking that five, six list, just writing it down, and then you've emotionally expressed yourself. These are points on how you can balance your emotions and how you can recognize, harness your power, because that is the dangers of it. But the power of emotional person is someone that's excited, someone that's creative, someone that's alive. Are you saying that, like, the reason why... I like to get stressed out of the supper and the period you think is more because of other stresses in the day. Let's do it differently. How did your father react when supper wasn't prepared? I blow up. I don't know. Okay. So now what is your healthier Every, response? Everything else. Yeah. What is your healthier response? I would just be a little upset. I wouldn't scream. I would just like be a little withdrawn. Yeah. Now, how about if you would learn a healthy, so you've almost done the opposite extreme, so instead of blowing up, you become withdrawn, but that's still not healthy. Right. Healthy might be being able to discuss with your wife what's happening that supper isn't ready, and she might say, you know, taking care of the kids, I can't have it ready every time. And then you would discuss with her, okay, so what do we do if supper's not ready? Because that's normal for mothers not to have supper ready on time. Ah, there's a little snack. There'll be some cut up fruit. There will, you won't come home so starving. You'll have a better lunch. And then right. you don't have to either go angry or shut down, fight or flight. There might be a healthy response of just communicating. And then what's healthy? So you might even ask a friend of yours or a cousin if you've got or your wife's family or even ask your father-in-law if you're comfortable. How do you react when supper isn't ready? He'll tell you a big deal. He'll tell you I'll take a snack. He might tell you I offer my wife how can I help you so things should get done quicker. How do you think your wife will react that way? Um, that's much better. So part of the issue that I find we have in this generation a lot is that, and that's the real issue that I find from people, they come from abused homes, they don't have anyone to teach them. 
They're missing the simple derech hachayim. What happens if a supper isn't ready? What happens if the house is a mess and you're coming home after a hard day's work? This is normal issues. I am telling this clearly. Women, do not have your house clean just because your husband had a tough day at work. That's enabling us codependent. You're going to make yourself more stressful. You're not going to help your husband because he'll have something else that he'll be upset about. You might need to discuss it with your husband how to work it out, but going in fear and giving in is not the way. Imagine your wife's day, how she's got to, I got to be home to have supper ready on time for my husband. If not, he'll feel depressed today. Now let's go to your wife. What we want to teach your wife... Well, I'm saying that's really what bothers me. I feel like I don't want it to be that way. And that's either therapy or just connecting to healthy people. And every time these issues come up, that's where the beauty of Rabbanim come in. And uh, where you can speak to a Rav and you can ask them, how do I deal with this? What's normal? And just get information. That's the beauty of the Rabbanim. They have the, they have the Chachma of Torah in them to help out. Yeah. Does that make sense? Now let's, um, go, yeah. now let's go a moment to your wife. The healthiness that I hear is that you guys are pretty newly married and your wife is able to express it. That is the way you change and that's the way you stop the cycle of negativity from continuing from generation to generation. Is that she has the permission and the safety to discuss it and that's the power that... The, that's the healthiness of your part that she's able to discuss and you're even able to call up and get advice. That is how things get healthy. So one thing yeah, we want to reinforce to your wife is don't be afraid. You're the most amazing guy out there. The fact that you're calling, the fact that you're macabre is amazing. Now the question is if she comes from a dysfunctional household where she's afraid to talk. So the one thing she tells you, but she kept five things in there. And then what we no, want... then what family's most... Right. Then what I see is a very, very healthy family. Okay, yeah. We Everyone always... says what they want, what they feel. Okay, so in that area, they're healthy. Notice I'm using the word in that area, because if they're two human parents, they're not going to be healthy somewhere. So let's try to break that concept of everyone is healthy and recognize everyone's got disorders and dysfunctions, and we're just here to keep things balanced and stable. All right? Right, okay. I'm just saying it's more of a healthier family, that's what I'm saying. It's like she want to keep things in to herself. Like good. Would, so that area, they're healthy. Great. So that's where you yeah. tell her, let's communicate, tell me about it. Let's go to a rubber we can discuss and just come up with a plan. I'm a big believer when it's a marriage issue, go together with your wife to that rub that you're comfortable with. And this way, in 20 minutes, in a half hour, in an hour, you can just work it out so simple. Go together. Don't speak in her name because she might say, yeah, that's what I meant, but I meant a different part bothers me more. Yeah. Right. Okay, thank you very much. You're very welcome, Baruch, and continue the growth. The number to call in is 718-683-5858, All right, this is a person that texts that I said I really want them to call and they're embarrassed because of their situation, but I know the psychiatrist that they're going to, so I'll be answering the question just because of that. I went through a depression for five years. In the last year, I was diagnosed with depression and started therapy and medication. And I'm a new person. Actually, I'm going to leave out the doctor's name. Is starting to wean me off the medication. While I was depressed, I was not myself and embarrassed about how I was. Mainly, I want to know if I should explain to my children ages three through the teenage years or now that they have their real mother back speaks for itself. I'm so uncomfortable about neighbors, friends, workmates, and all... And mates but most of my children 
So I know the psychiatrist, and I'm going to answer for him, but I do, I'm a bit surprised that the psychiatrist did not recommend you to therapy. And what I mean is, it goes as follows. Medication is meant to help on a chemical level what the brain needs to be able to function. And Baruch Hashem, seems like it helped you that you're able to function. However, now you're having the guilt, the embarrassment, the pain of many times of what you've had, what you've gone through. That is something that therapy helps to create an awareness. When the brain is available to be macabre, then we need to be able to get those new ways of thinking okay. It means we're allowed to be down. We're allowed to be depressed. We're allowed to say things that hurt us. So if medication helped the brain feel comfortable, but your brain didn't change its way of thinking, you're going to go down the same path. So what medication does is it gives your brain the ability to think, However, if you're using the negative thoughts, the negative thought patterns, you're going to fall back. And that is something that I feel you need medication. So I would not recommend for the psychiatrist, the doctor, to wean you off yet. Based on having these thoughts, it still tells me you need therapy. And going off the medication many times can be a process where you're going to fall back. Now, since I do know the doctor... And with what you're describing, I wonder if the doctor is taking you off or you're pushing and saying how great everything is, not sharing a lot of the doubts and thoughts that you have that many people have. And many, that's what many people do to doctors. They don't share everything. And now you're starting to have doubts and concerns because what you're saying is classical therapy. I know the psychiatrist and he would have definitely recommended you to a therapist. So that is my suggestion to you. Go back to him. Share with him what's happening. And that's extremely important. You're saying you sure do go to therapy. Boy, as we're speaking, we're getting live responses over here. Then something is not going well with a therapist. These thoughts should not be happening while you're in therapy. You should have had the tools to get the therapy and medication, at least from my experience. This is not the way it's going. When Just for your information, when... I work together with a psychiatrist to wean someone off the medication. It's when their thought patterns are healthy. It's when their Rebbein has tested them with nesiyanus, with difficult times, and they're able to still remain in the healthy thought process while they had stress. And stress is not anxiety. Stress means the normal wear and tear of life. Anxiety is when you're being overboard. So if you're still going through these thoughts, I do not feel from my way, if you were my client, I would not have been weaning you off medication. Okay, um, the number to call is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. We got a couple of, we've got now the availability people called in, hung up. Feel free to call in. We will take your question or comment. The Lakewood Scoop, we've got a question over here. What is the best way to deal with a spouse who reacts very impulsive to situations or, or to things I say? Do I just ignore his reaction because I know he doesn't mean ill? And he doesn't seem to have much control over it. Or do I tell him that it's not acceptable to talk that way to me and to the kids? I'm married for a while, but I only recently came to the realization that the reason he says a lot of the things he does and the tone of his voice he does is because his mouth works faster than his brain. It's wonderful that you've become the therapist and you've just diagnosed and recognized what's his issue. However, I would like to say things a little bit differently. There is the famous two diagnoses that I share that all of us in Klal Yisrael have, or most of us have. Number one is perfectionist. Number two is codependence. Codependence means we take abuse 
we think we're helping, we think we're going to get a lot of schar for that, and unfortunately, from Rabbanim, we hear, we're not going to go into what the Rabbanim Shalom does, but it's not right, we got to stop. We've got to stop it. What you've said is, your husband's got some negative behaviors, how do you deal with it? Do you permit it, because you're understanding it, or do you stop it? And the biggest proof that you are unhealthy in your balance is that you only have two answers, extremes. As we say many times, how do you know when you're healthy? When you'll have five responses, the two extremes and three other options. Why isn't there an option to tell your husband it is negative and it's got to stop and the cover to go away? And still understand while he's learning and growing. Why isn't it an option to be able to go to a therapist and point it out to him? Why isn't it an option for you to realize that your husband doesn't do it to everyone? There are certain people he's afraid to do that to. And therefore, why aren't you and the kids one of those places? When we realize that we are the ones that make changes, that when we change within, everything around us changes, so people are unhealthy, but not around us. Is there one person your husband speaks nicely and respectful? Then no, it can be you as well. And that only changes when you change. So what I tell all codependents are, it's so sweet to try to understand and to help our spouses. Stop it, because it won't work. You're married all these years. I guarantee you, you've tried a strict way with him. And I guarantee you, you've tried the easy way. And none of those ways worked. So you're asking me to reinforce two systems that you've tried that hasn't worked. I'm a big believer. If something hasn't worked, try something else. Thank you for that. We are going to go to Miriam. Miriam, you're on the air with Mordechai. Hello. I quote um, a few weeks ago about... A question, if you are in a critical environment, if it helps therapy, and it told me about guilt. That... Hello? Yep, yep, I'm here with you. Okay. I just wanted to give you feedback that it really helped me because my daughter was a bossy type, and I was really afraid of her. Like this pattern repeated again and again of feeling guilty when somebody is critical, even in my four-year-old. And what? I realized that... Yeah, so what did you I... realize? that I feel guilty with any criticism, even though it's not true, and even though, like, it's a pattern that repeats itself. And if I don't stop it, I'll feel critical all my life, and I will run away of, of criticism. I won't be able to deal with anybody. So now, Miriam, let's take the next step. What are you going to do about the inner guilt that's going on in your subconscious that we can finally change the pattern? Cannot be done by you alone. I'm pushing no. you here. What can you do to change the pattern? First of all, I'm not, I'm not taking it seriously. What did my daughter say? You know, why is not supper ready now? I'm really hungry. She's four and a half years old, and I was afraid of her comments. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about your four and a half year old. She is a sign of the inner guilt. When you asked your I question, know. you're asking about your four-year-old, or were you asking about others that are laying no, guilt on I'm you? No, I'm not asking. I'm just telling you that when people criticize me, I'm not taking it seriously anymore. How? 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 What changed? I realized that I have guilt, number one. I realized what's going on inside instead of just concentrating on the people's um, comments. So I am now going to make a recommendation. Since okay. you sound like a person that you're not going to want to go to a therapist or to a coach or someone that has experience in this, I'd recommend that you start finding the books. Either Dr. Tversky, Rabbi Zelik Pliskin, Dr. Miriam Adahan. There are some great books that they have about guilt or about assertiveness. Go to the bookstores, 
go into the Jewish bookstores and let's see if you can find one of those and then each chapter, read it and then spend four days working on that. Mertesham, there's a book that I'm writing, submitted to Tarot Scroll, we're accepted in the publishing, but it'll probably come out around Pesach, the way it's heading. And there I would have been able to guide you which chapters over there for you to focus on, probably five chapters, because I always discuss perfectionist and codependence, a large part of those books are combating those programs. So for you to... Codependence is also a package deal with guilt. Of course, that's codependence. Codependence is I need to save you, I feel responsible for you. So I'm going to kill I have them. A laugh. Of course, that I, I heard all that. As we had Toby says, please don't tell me you heard so much more. Miriam, I heard so much more to what you're saying that I really do believe you need guidance, especially when the four-year-old can play you, which is still normal. But I'm not here to go say what all I see, because all I will tell you is take any of the look up any of those writers. Dr. Tversky, Miriam Adahan, Rabbi Zalik Pliskin. Go ahead and find some of those and take them, which means take a chapter and work on that for four or five days. You'll take out a paper. This chapter we discussed assertiveness. This chapter we've discussed not letting people push you around. This chapter we've discussed saying no, whatever it should be. And practice that four or five times, you know, that day for those couple of days. And you'll see how you will grow. That's how you use a self-help book. Just realize that everything you're seeing is from within your blinded view of assessing yourself so it's very hard for us to look ourselves in the mirror that's usually why we need a therapist or someone else doing that i i why i didn't want to go to a therapist because i went already and nobody addressed this problem so that's why i don't wow. believe anymore okay so i, I, I got, respect I you just go like traveling for therapists you know it's not like they, i understand you so what would i i would recommend to someone that is in business because I have that many times in business. They tell me they've opened up three businesses and they're still not successful, so they've given up on their dreams. And I okay. always tell them, that's a choice you have. You're worth someone that's several million dollars within yourself, but if you choose to just get a salary of whatever it should be, then, you know, that's good. Um, by the way, I have over here my wonderful friend, Rab Hanoich, in the room with me over here in the studio, and he's recommended two books that Rabbi Zalik Pliskin has wrote. Number one is called Gateway to Self-Knowledge. Oh, that's it. And um, second one I'd recommend is when my book comes out. <laughs> but a Gateway to Self-Knowledge might be a good way of you recognizing that. So okay. now you've got a choice. Do you want to have millions of dollars within you and not utilized because you didn't find a good therapist, you didn't find a good coach, or do you want to still search? So the call that you've done is a great way to start. Start like this. One other recommendation is if you find that there's a good therapist, other than me, let's not put the pressure on me, be willing to ask them if they would do a session over the phone. And that is available. I'm a believer in therapy over the phone. I do that and I tell people as follows. Let's say it only works 90% over the phone. 90% over the phone is still better than 0% not over the phone at all. 10 sessions of 90% means you'll get to 900 out of 1,000. Ten sessions of zero sessions will still keep you at the zero. So that is my way of looking at the theory. So all I'm telling you is you're growing. I'm so glad you called and I'm so glad that the awareness has helped you and how you see how guilt holds you back all over that even a four-year-old kid can trap an adult. However, I'll still suggest continue growing. Find the books. Dr. Abraham Twersker, Zalek Pliskin, Miriam Adahan, fantastic people out there that I write about a lot of great stuff. 
Marie Madahan has a topic that is... Um, I'm making an assumption. She's got so many books. Maybe even awareness. You know what? Even she has that fantastic book on personality types of awareness. Find which number you're in. You'll see over the years strengths, your weaknesses. That's one of her famous ones. Okay. Thank you very much for calling in. We are going to Leah. Leah, you're on the air with Mordechai. And then we actually have a fantastic question. I'm pretty sure it's taking a guess that it's not from a therapist, but I still will read it anyhow. Yes. Hello? Um, we'll go ahead. Leah, we're with you on the air. I'm sorry. Hi. Yes. I think you're taking my call. With greatest um, of pleasures. I'd, yeah, I'd like to thank you for reading the awareness about mental health. And it's definitely a topic to read, you know, the shift on lights on our yes. community. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Uh, my question is, I have two questions within one topic. Um, I started going to, I didn't start, I'm actually already a long time in therapy. Not a long time, just like 10 sessions. Oh, that's not even a start, by the way. <laughs> right. Um, for anxiety. And I yes. do not have, I do not have, I don't have severe anxiety, but I get anxious sometimes. I have like phobias and, you know, but... Mm -hmm. Um, I started going for the first, the first five sessions, I didn't, I didn't ask my therapist how long I will need. You didn't? And the, Say that I again? I didn't ask my, I didn't ask my, my therapist right. how many <laughs> sessions I will need. The fifth session, she told me that, like, after the fifth session, when, like, how long will it take? She told me that I have a lot of work. Now, oh. a few sessions later, um, I asked her, so I, it came of that, I told her I wanted to do something after I finished, I put down my therapy. And she asked me, what do you mean by balance therapy? And I told her what, what I'm trying to master. And she said, you know, so do you feel you want to stop already? Like, you want to stop? Is it enough? And I'm all confused because here she feels like I'm ready to, like, cut, like, go only once in two weeks. And here she told me a few seconds ago that I have a long, a long way to go. Yeah. My question is, do you think it's, like, do you, I'm, having, I'm getting a feeling that she doesn't know what, like, she's talking. Like, maybe she's just. Every session, she decides on different things. So let me talk, and here, instead of talking as an outsider, let me talk from the personal position of being the other side of the chair, of being the therapist chair. I can tell you one of the greatest frustrating parts that I have being a therapist is that one question. How many sessions do I need? And let me clarify. We've had on the last week's radio show, or was two weeks ago's radio show, for me, one of the most stressful shows why? Because when I have someone that has awareness, I can discuss it, we can go back and forth, I get alive with that. But when someone is in such denial as the subconscious is in the, in the th clinical term denial, clinical term denial doesn't mean someone wants to disagree with you, it means they don't even see their problem yet. And then someone goes, when am I done? I'm thinking to myself, it might take us four or five months of work to, for you just to see the problem in order to change it. So if there's a car that's making a noise and you think that noise is normal because you're raised with that noise or with a louder noise, you're never going to change the car. Now you're coming into the car mechanic about your chair is a little bit uncomfortable and they hear the entire engine is going to explode. And they're telling you, you got to fix the engine. They're saying, no, 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 no. All I want to do this. And then you want to still get an inspection. And the guy says, I can't inspect it. It's going to fail. It's not safe. That is from the most frustrating positions that I have in therapy. Now, I'll tell you, unfortunately, how I deal with it. And it's a very negative way, but it's a safe way for me. I just drop the client at the first session. Okay, well, being, that, being that I have the opportunity to choose the clients that I want, 
the clients that will suck out my energy, which means because that's my weakness, telling a person, Oive, no, you got appointments, and then the client starts going to fetching, I'm here already five sessions, and I'm not seeing much, and then starts the next level fetching of, do you know what I could have done with this money? And then sometimes starts the next level of, I don't understand, I'm coming here, you're so good with everyone, and with me you can't help, what's wrong with you? Then comes the next level. Then, then comes, you know what? I don't think you're that interested in me. Then many times I get the part of, you know, I think you should charge less money because I'm not seeing the results. Why <laughs> should I go through the pain? Now, I'm not talking about you. For me right. to go through that, what I've just found from experiences, look, I am not the right therapist for you. Go to someone else for about four or five months and then come back to me. Now, let's go to you. And I don't mean you in any way. When you say mm-hmm. you have small levels of anxiety, but as a therapist, she, she she actually told me that I thought I was I thought I'm, I felt just when I was anxious I was like oh my gosh I really have a problem, and when she when we when we recognized what the problem was just simple I was I didn't let go of it you know it's more it's very more codependent sure sure now that's not simple codependent affects every year of your life that could take six to eight months or a year of therapy. Right, so like this is my question. I, I thought, okay, I was expecting to stay there for at least six months and here she's telling me so I'm not sure you, she's saying maybe you find something else. What's happening is you're talking about post-therapy. She might have well, some... I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you. I'm you're sorry. discussing what you'll do after therapy when you're in the first ten sessions of therapy. You're supposed to be discussing the tools, not discussing after therapy. Be present. Be in the moment. What do I right, need? So, that, so I'll tell you why I, I was like debating before, like, should I discuss this or not? Because I, I, want, to, I want to go to college after I was done with therapy. And, and the really, suggestion like, would be if you're my client, let's plan, ther- let's plan college while you're in therapy. We want you so going that, through life. So, so that was a suggestion. That wasn't. Okay. This mm-hmm. No, but um, many times you might not be aware. I'm just talking from the therapist's point of view that you might have certain thoughts that you have. And the words that you are using comes out wrong or comes out, not wrong, comes out different than the therapist here. So I've got one client I'm going to apologize publicly many, many times for. And I've had several run-ins with her being that she used certain words that I interpreted differently. In fact, our last session even had a run in the last five minutes. But do you and think it was like misunderstanding what I was trying to I think there's a high misunderstanding because if the therapist oh, is aware that you're going to be for a while and when clients start going, you know, I want to do this and this when we're done and going, well, I'm, I'm just, just explaining to you the therapist's point of view. Right, okay. The therapist might feel that you're not engaging, you're not recognizing the points and you're discussing after and that might be part of your control. Like, I need to go to college, I need to do this and maybe part of what your therapist is teaching you, let go. Don't make plans at all about the future. I, I'm making guessing. I'm guessing all, all right. over. I have no idea. So I, it's hard to say. Like you to say, just talking. You don't know what, what was happening. But when first year she was like discouraging me, then like she's saying, "Go for it, go for it." I think you can start now. I'm like I'm so confused. That's that's okay. I guess I guess I need to talk to her again about it. Yeah. Uh, so um, I just I have to, another question. Wait, hold on. What, let, let's just clarify this. And how I would recommend that you speak to her about it is you first clarify. I still have anxiety. I still have those subconscious control where I'm trying to control the world. So realistically, it might take six months to a year of therapy. Now let's discuss why are you saying less? Are you feeling that I'm questioning the, the therapy? Am I not following the therapeutic protocol? What's happening? 
And she might say, yeah, like you're not doing it. Or you're always bringing up, we discussed we're not going to do certain things. I think about four or five times in therapy, my history, I actually wrote down a person always repeated the same questions over and over. So I wrote down once and for all, when you ask this question, this is my answer. When you ask that, and then we had about six times, and every time he goes there, I pulled out the paper. Number so five. It's, like it's kind of, they're holding on to one thing and kind of let's go. This is That's right. And many times it gets frustrating for the therapist because the client, since they're in denial, they don't see it. They don't see how they're repeating the same question. So when I told this client, for an example, you've asked your question the last four sessions. They go, no, I think I only asked it once. I think. So then I wrote it down, and the person asked a question. I go, that's question number two. He says, no, but this is a little different. I go, well, look at the answer to number two. Because you changed one word of six months instead of four months, it's still the same answer. In the process, we'll get there. It might be a, a, a miscommunication. Now, here I'm going to say something, and therapist, please forgive me. Many of us have got a lot of issues, and the clients aren't really wrong. We're getting triggered. Do you get triggered with most of your clients? Then take go back to supervision or go to peer colleague to peer colleague groups. That's important because many times the clients come to me from traumas that they've gone through, and that's unhealthy. Just like I'm sure some some of my clients will go from trauma that I've caused to, to others, but I can definitely tell you, I'd say 95% of my clients or 98% of my clients do not go through unhealthiness through my process. I might not continue with them. We might stop at certain points where I don't want to work with them. But they wouldn't say they're going through trauma, which I am picking up from a lot of people. So therapists, you got issues, deal with it, and let's not focus it and shift it onto the clients. Yes. Well, okay. Um, my second question, um, in general, I was feeling much better. I yes. felt like I had to, like, whole time, like, reframe that I would be in a situation like, no, don't do this, just let go, and it was much, much better. Excellent. Beautiful, so, powerful but, concept, reframing. Yeah, so, um, I was, so now, I was actually planning to do something for the past years, I wanted to go to college, but I guess I wasn't ready for it, mm-hmm. and now I thought, okay, I want, I want to do it, and I said, when I'm done, whenever I told, I told her that, um, for since I was, like, really getting, getting serious with it, I really started um, like experiencing anxiety, like, uh, That's like right. a lot, lot of anxiety. That's right. That means subconsciously you're still in control. That means you're still pushing yourself to places, and when your perfectionist, whatever program of control is kicking in, that's the proof that you've got to work through it. So that's why with my clients... Why do you see control? I'm not understanding. What do you mean control in that, in that area? Okay. I really, I my, just... under, my one word that I call anxiety really is control. Control means things must go the way I expect, and I can't let go. Every person that suffers from anxiety, including me, because that I would probably give myself, I don't know if I'd call myself anxious, but definitely on the borderline of that I need to work on myself is that I make expectations. So sharing that for the first time, I would say that when Artscroll told me I was, I made an expectation, the latest my book will come out will be Merz um Hanukkah, and then they tell me it'll be Pesach, my first instinct is, it's not the way I want it, and then just let go, flow. In fact, I'm, I'm more relaxed letting things flow. And I've got many projects, for those of you that know me, um, probably those of you who don't know, those of you that know me well, probably my wife the most of all, knows the amount of projects that I've got in my head lined up for the last 10 years that I want to do. And only now are they slowly coming out, but still so many more. And I had to learn to let go that the projects merchant will happen, but all at the right time. But deep down, I am a secret controller. 
I used to need to control my clients and make sure results are fast enough. I used to get frustrated if a session isn't going or all that. Now I'm let go. Now I can even let go. That I don't even need to help every person. And if I feel that working with this person will pull me down because of their unhealthiness, I'm able to let go and say, Rabbi Nishleilam, you've only put me as one of the great shluchim out there. You have so many fantastic shluchim. You, and I tell the client I can't work with them, and I make a tefillah, Rabbi Nishleilam, you've brought them to my door. You'll bring them to someone that can help them. That is really letting go for levels that I used to have a tough time. So while I used to call myself a balamun and batachan, the more inner work I do, I really question how much amun and batachan I really let Hashem run my world. I really doubt it. Which means, of course, it sounds great. Yes, Hashem, you wanted that. But I'm talking about all those people that yelling and screaming, those codependent people, those people that have anxiety. Really, are you willing to assume it won't happen? So let's say you will never go to college. Can you really <laughs> let go of that? Or are you going to be, oh, I'll no, I must what, go. It's not at the college. I was like, I'm very much future-oriented. I have my goals and I... I yeah, now what would happen if you would let go of all those structure? It's like, so, I don't feel like, look, it's, uh, I feel like numbing my feelings towards like a passion I have, like, it would really make me upset. I have talent, I want to do something. And not going to college, like, saying... And those, let's like, let go. Now, you've already made the assumption that by having your talents out is by going to college. How about the right? No, it's not. It's not the college. I just need to have whatever I need to have. Notice those words. I need to area. have whatever I need to have. To, in order to be able to work in the area. In, in order to area, work in that area, I need to have that. Now, what happens if there's a similar? So, let's assume I could have been a medical doctor. I could have been a social worker. I could have been a nurse. I could have been a Hatzala member. How about you? Don't need to be in that field the way you expect it. You can be there so many different ways. So I could have been an electrician and be a Hatzalah member on volunteer time and then feel that I'm using my nature. How about a person that loves building construction with their hands, but they're a lawyer, so they can volunteer for Chaveirim, where they can help cars and use their stuff that way. Notice how you've got a goal in your mind, and that goal must be reached. That's where anxiety comes from. Anxious people really need life and control life their way. That's the real core of anxiety. And panic attacks are even more than that, which is, oh my gosh, it's not going to go my way. The brain cannot fathom that. And do you know what's the medication that they do for panic attacks? It's usually like one of those muscle relaxants, just relax the body. Oh, and then they are able to let go. So the solution, as we see on the chemical level, what works is... You release. You let go. But people with anxiety don't even acknowledge that they're controllers. Do you know the amount of sessions it takes for a person to recognize that they really control? For me to have recognized that I might think in my mind, but in my physical body, the Rebbe didn't do what I wanted. Oh, I could still remember the nights I didn't sleep at night when I worked with a client when the client was having a setback. Now I could put a tefillah. Now it could bother me a little, but I can fall asleep. So subconsciously, I didn't let the Rabbi Shalom run the show. And I couldn't well, yeah. sleep <laughs> letting go that the Rabbi Shalom is not doing it as fast as I expected him to. You know the amount of times I get a client, and I know usually this we can heal in about 15 sessions, and we're at number session 15, and then we recognize it's going to go another 5 or 10. And then the client starts going, you said about three to six months. Why well, I stopped doing that even. But you said about that time. And then goes, oh, my God. And I could just go, you know something? You're right. I made a mistake. And the past would have eaten me up. Wow. Wow. So, but do you think, um, I feel like, 
I could be happy in a different area. I could, I could. No, but you can't. You're still controlling oh. it. No, you can't. Let's be honest. From one controller to the next, no, you can't. No, I could be. So I was going to that. I could be happy in front of me. I can't. I'm How could you? Now. Let's go from one to ten. If you would get it your way, ten the happiest, how happy would you be? I feel like I'm using my talent. I'd be Good. Very happy. Ten. Like, Let's I'm give it a ten. Then. When you, hold on, Leia. So when you feel you're using your talent, what number would that be? A 10, right? Um, I am more than that, yeah. Good, above 10. Now, if you would also use your talent in a different way that the Rabbi Shleilam wants, not how we think, how happy would you be? Probably a 3. You'll right. be happy. That is called a sun. That's the underlying control why those with anxiety suffer from anxiety. But you think I shouldn't go... I, I find one... Not over. I'm saying everything about once. Um, You'll okay. never end. No, you're not. There's no such thing as okay. Life is about you know? life is continuously about the GPS recalculating. Since so we're not in, of course. Let me do that even more. That someone that has anxiety, let me reassure you, does it since he is the controller of the world, not us. It gets worse and it gets worse. And it gets worse. And but, then but we turn still... 50 years old and we're having a breakdown. Everyone goes, What's going on? The answer is because it got worse but if, if I, isn't if that I'm a great future now. that i just I'm painted Didn't, uh, of course you are because you're in therapy and we're talking about letting go the minute you'll be in college and you're gonna have several tests and then you're gonna apply for a job and then you won't get the job that you wanted and then you'll have a crazy boss that's going to take advantage of you and not pay you and not respect you and then also you're going to hate the field and i wasted five years in this for that and then, Merit Hashem, you're going to be married or you're married now with kids. And then what you're going to find is you can't balance work with kids. But you must control both because you must deep down be good in both. So you won't be able to slow down at work because you have to be the best. Because remember, anxiety people are usually perfectionist as well with our control. And we allow ourselves to make mistakes in two places, but not more than two. So we're already nervous because we know there's going to be two. And now the kids, else and the kid is sick. And then the husband just lost his job or the husband's changing jobs. And we can't control it. And it gets worse and worse but and worse. I'm um, so not clear. I'm not I'm sorry, sure you're I not. That. That's why you're going to be going to about six months to a year of therapy because this is what I see when the person comes in, and I know we just got to go through the process of getting there. Um, okay, so let me just have another one thing, but... Good. Say the last thing, and then we're going <laughs> to go to I'm, just, I'm not getting it. I know that... I know you're not. Stuff. What? But I know you're not, but whoever has been through anxiety and succeeded, have, has healed through that, and is aware of that, will know what I'm talking about. And those of you that are my clients know exactly what I'm talking about. Once we're able to get you aware of the control and treat and heal the control. You're all smiling and laughing. And unfortunately, we're not laughing at you, Leia. We have all been there and we understand and we are thrilled for Mertz Hashem where you're going to get to if you continue with Siata Deshmaya, the process. Right. So let me just ask you my last question. You're saying that I know that life doesn't get easier or it gets you know, more more hectic, you know, by Hashem, but, but the, if someone has anxiety or can, obviously they're not like any other person, but or any other healthy things don't have so much anxiety, they just don't have to deal with things. Do you think they can become better with it? They, I'm getting a picture like, I'm always going to be anxious. Like, what? You see how anxious you are about letting go? <laughs> oh, you're anxious about the anxiety of the future. That's anxiety. You need to know the future will be safe. No, I'm not, no, I was asking you, I was trying to understand what you were saying. That's all. 
So I am clarifying in my terms, because this is for awareness, you're anxious how your future will look. You're worried that based on with what I said, your future might not look so good. So, okay, but if Wait, it let's stop. So good, let's, but let's stop. Let's identify the question. Let's identify the question. Do you see that? Do you see how you're worried about how the future will look? That's anxiety again. I'm not worried how things will go. I'm saying Hashem's ruining the world, but I wonder how I'm going to be, how I'm going to deal with it. That's all. Say that again. I'm not worried how my 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 life is going to look. Hashem is running it, but my thing is that I'm working myself. I wonder how I'm going to respond, or how how I'm going to behave, how I'm going to feel. So Hashem will guide you at the right time. Everything. What's the stress? Okay, I get it. I don't think you get it. I think I do. Okay. Okay. Then no. Okay. If you do, then if you think you do, then very good. So now let's take the next level. The next level is that when we can learn that we're doing our best, we focus in a direction, and Hashem may change us completely in directions, and it will still help us. That's letting go. That's surrendering. Okay. So if you can try going to college, let's make the assumption. And when you start getting anxious, the first thought is, what am I controlling? What am I forcing that must go my way that I'm not willing to happen? And it might be, oh, I'm not willing to get to fail several tests. I have a cousin that might be getting married, and then they'll take me out of Shaver Brachos, or a brother, or a sister, or a cousin. And therefore, I won't be able to get the A's, so I'm not going to take that class. Are you able to say, okay, so these classes I'll get the B? Anxiety people usually cannot allow themselves to get a B. When they get the B, they'll start rationalizing why it's okay to fight the inner control that's saying you should have studied more. You shouldn't have done that. We try to rationalize after the emotion of inner control. All right. We are going to thank you. Thank Thank you, you, Leah. Excellent. The number to call in is 718-683-5858-718-683-5858. I am going to read a question over here. I doubt that it's from a therapist but I will still read it as if it's from the therapist. I am a therapist and I am bound by rules of confidentiality. What should I do if my Rav needs to tell me something crucial about a client, but the client doesn't want me to talk to the Rav? Also, is there a problem to bring Hashem into therapy, like to tell people at a certain point that they need to turn to Hashem? Let's go deal with the first one first. Do you notice who's running the therapy session over here? Let me rephrase your question. I'm bound by confidentiality, which means we may not speak to anyone unless the client permits that. But what should I do if the Rav needs to tell you something about this client or someone needs to give you information the client does not want? Who's now in charge of this session? You or the client? Recognize that. Like when Toby called in earlier today and said, I want to ask you a question, but I don't want you to respond this and this. All of a sudden, she became the therapist and I became the client. I need to give myself choices. So now let's first put you back in the therapist seat. Number one, if you feel you're taking a case that you don't feel you have a good handle on it, you have the right to insist to get information. And if the client still refuses, which is their right, now you have several choices. Drop the case. Insist that there be another therapist deal, case management, and you'll only deal with one component of it. Continue working and have the client become the therapist and you remain the client, which therapy definitely you and I both know won't go far. Another option is to tell the person, I am now teaching you healthy boundaries and healthy boundaries are learn to let people in. Let's discuss several sessions about that you can trust and let other people in. General, me as a therapist, I would try the last one. 
of having the client recognize why it's important to bring people in. And number two, for me to actually remain the therapist and tell the person, I don't feel comfortable working on this case with these rules. So you can now find someone else or permit me to be the therapist where I can trust my instincts and do what has to get done. We may not break confidentiality. That's a, that's a guaranteed law we may not break and the commitment we have to our clients. However, we do not need to remain trapped by their unhealthiness. Now let's go to the next part. If, so let's go like there. If you feel a rub needs to be brought in or you feel uncomfortable, let's say on a clinical level, it's not needed, but there are halachas that are making you uncomfortable. You're allowed to tell the client, being that I am from and I choose to bring frumkite into my being when I work with people, I am uncomfortable continuing to work unless I can speak to a rav, or I respect yours, but I cannot continue. <clears throat> At all times, you, the therapist, must feel comfortable, because if not, it will pull you down. Unfortunately, I can share many of those sad stories where it did not help the client in the long run, it even hurt the client when I was not assertive taking care of myself. <clears throat> so let's get that clear. You need to take care of yourself first, as they teach you in lifeguarding, as they teach you on the plane, always put the mask first, you, the parent, the oxygen mask, then on the children. The lifeguarding course, they always teach you. If you don't take care of yourself, Hashem, the person will drown you as well. First, take care of yourself. That's the only way you can save the other person. Now goes to the next question. Can you bring in Yiddishkeit into therapy? It's a major controversial question. And the reason is as follows. First part, of course you could. Second part, of course you shouldn't. So I've spoken to the G'daylim, and I was told from the G'daylim not to bring it in, simply because many times people were told what to do, and they want to come to you as a therapist. Let Yiddishkeit work itself out. You can refer them to a Rav, which I've done. I've just met a Rav. Uh, when was it? It was Shabbos, two days ago. Shabbos afternoon tells me, I want to give you Hakar Zatayv, because I have this person that's coming to me now for three years about Hashkafa, and it's unbelievable. He says, and he just told me you're the one that made the referral. This was a question that had Amun and Batach and Shilas. Pasha, not Chatzram, he was not Picaris, just want to know the basics. Who said it really is a Rabbi Nishleim? To be able to prove it. There are ways of proving it. Of course, not proving it, proving it, but logically, the deduction that it makes sense. And this person has since then had groups where this Rav spoke, and it's beautiful. Do you know why? All because I've recognized that this is something, send them to the experts. Now let's go to the next level. Many times, Rabbi Nishleim will be brought in because it's just part of my language. And allow yourself to do that. However, when the therapist starts becoming the rub and the preachers, uh-uh, that's not our role. And the client might have a disorder and we start bringing the rabbinic When they're not able to handle that, that's not healthy. So my real recommendation, but again, this is in my training that I train the people under me and that I work with myself. So you can do whatever you'd like is don't bring it in. Refer to a rub that's an expert in that area. However, I know a rub that he is a rub and he also got a license in social work. And I know many times they send him the OCD cases which need the Rav and also need that so at times he can take both roles. Again, he switches hats and says, now I am being Rav, now I'm being therapist. He goes, okay, I passed into your Shiloh, now it's an OCD illness, now let's go use the therapeutic tools to deal with OCD, I will not pass in again. So there's someone that if he can balance and juggle the two, that's also excellent. But that is what I'd like you to recognize. But the most important question that I find is, from your question about that, take control, be the therapist, you don't feel comfortable, make choices. And there are many choices there. Be empowered again. You're empowered, therapy can continue. If not, unfortunately, I don't see it working. Sarah, you are on the air with Mordechai. Hello. Yes. Is that me? 
Yes, that is you. Um, yeah, I'm just calling about uh, people. So many people suffering from um, anxiety. I I want to know if does it stem from a lack of a minimum token? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. You know how I'll prove it to you? Very simple. Yeah. Give any one of these people an opportunity to be Niftal Kiddush Hashem. If someone tells you, go Chazashom on the Gilma of Ayers, go into that church, force you. We see Klal Yisrael, when the, when, especially in World War II, for Averis, little Averis that Klal Yisrael stood up throughout history. We we're able to have the strength, but they still had anxiety and fears. Let's recognize two separate stuff. Emuna yeah. and Betachen so is not anxiety. Part of the therapy is Emuna and Betachen, but we need to separate the two. Um, okay, but sometimes you see that somebody... Um, Wait, it sounds like you have an like, agenda. Do you, want to, do you want to agree with me or you want to disagree with me? Well, first, what are we doing right now? No, I just want to clarify. I just want to ask you not how I can, like, like, in certain... Like, somebody that I know, I want, to me, it seems like um, that, ah. well, that's basically the case. I want to know if it's... Well, there's one um, simple way of knowing if they have a moon and betachem. Ask them to do an Aveira. Yeah, but sometimes... And wait, you, ask them to do an Aveira. Ask them to be Michal Shabbos. If they're not Michal yeah, okay. Shabbos, then you know they have a moon and betachem. They trust Hashem. Okay, but sometimes people don't have ev- all the area. They don't have every part of it. Like, do you think she... Do you like, think your friend... Do you think your? Do you think you're better than your friend? No, I'm, not, I'm talking about myself as well. I'm just generally, I want Good, to know. Good, so let's go take it to you a second. Do you think you're better than your friend, someone that doesn't have, that doesn't have anxiety? What would happen if I can show you that there are Erlich HaYidin, there are Vemun and Betachin, that they still have anxiety? Yeah. Yeah. But sometimes you see somebody, let's say, that they go for years of therapy and they can't get, they're still stuck in their... I just can't get out of there. Now, let's stop there. The they sh- the let's, the let's, let's stop there. That's a huge problem. You've already hit a major problem. The therapist, I feel, was unethical. The, I just had a client today, had the fourth session. The changes were very little, and I said, I'm sorry, my friend. This is your fourth session in with me. We usually see bigger results. What's going on? And we pushed him until he was able yeah. to recognize, yes, he has more results. You use those saying those are horror stories, and that's part of the awareness that I want to create out there. Therapist, you got to up your game. If you're not having results in 10 sessions, drop the client. Clients, if you're going to a therapist for 10 sessions and you're not seeing awareness and change, drop the therapist or go for another opinion. Yes, up the game. I feel very comfortable mm-hmm. saying I was not successful. When you're telling me horror stories of someone going to years to therapist, first of all, I have an issue. Many times we use the word therapist. They're not even licensed therapists. They're friends. They're coaches who like calling themselves therapists and therefore gives therapists a bad name. Then many times there are people mm-hmm. that just took a course or two and they call themselves therapists when they have no experience in anxiety. They took a, they took a three-day course on Shalom Bayes. They're already treating anxieties, which I hear these horror stories all the time. Then I hear these people that they, that they took a shear from a Rav and all of a sudden they call themselves giving advice based on this and this person. Which has neither happened. So we need to clarify all these things. When you say someone goes a years for therapy, then you've got the person that goes to a therapist, which someone comes to me about twice a year, and then comes to me, I don't know, I'm coming to you for a three years and you're not getting better. Well, it happens that we didn't put the person in anymore, but the concept is you're not coming to me for three years. You're coming to me for about eight sessions altogether. We would call that less than two months. Okay, so um, I, I let's spoke go to there. somebody and I, he, um, he was telling me basically that he's gone for years and I asked, he, I asked him if 
Let's have that someone uh, call that in. When, when Let's have that person. I, I can't address questions like this. Or we spoke to someone that did this and this and this. Just like I okay, stopped. Let's let's leave that out. I'll give you a bit of details. Yeah, if you'd like. Um, somebody had a very very difficult past. Um, very difficult. Like yeah. basically, uh, somebody was painfully shy and closed up and and didn't speak and like sure. in Haida and. Uh, for years, and the parents had no idea about it, and children were making fun of him. And it was Can a we stop child. a second? Isn't that interesting? How don't parents know about that? I don't know. I've got kids, and I speak to my parents' teachers, to my to my kids' teachers. Okay, so there was issues maybe as well. Ah, at home. great. So now let's continue. Parents have issues. Issues in school, everyone was aware of, but there was no one to talk to to change. Okay, so this guy comes from parents that don't know how to deal with their issues. Okay, so hold so on, no, I need you to clarify. Let's understand a second what you're saying. Yeah. So this kid is yeah, being okay. raised without any tools of survival in life, continued yeah. without those tools going older in life, without any of those tools, which means it gets worse and worse and worse as life's responsibility gets stronger. It gets worse and worse and worse. Yeah. Then, now, what is your question? I I spoke to him and I asked him if at the time when things were happening, if his Amina Batukha would have been stronger, that I don't understand what's happening, but it must somehow, you know, it must be for the good, and I, I can't, you know, uh, still valid, you know, understand yourself why it's hard for you, so it's hard for you, but still... Of course, it's all from Hashem. Hashem put me in the situation. Yes, does it get easier? For sure, it would have been easier. For sure. And do you think no one ever spoke to him? Do you think this Bacha never opened up a Sefer? Let's make the assumption that this Bacha is a Chesidish Bacha. He never went to a Tish of a Rebbe that said a Midam Batachan is great. Hold on. This person is Fiza Litvisher. Never heard a schmooze by his Magachir that a Munam Batachan that helps you through everything. Let's clarify. Stop with the okay, lies. Yeah. No, yeah, no, right, no, yeah. no. I want you to listen a little now. No, no I'm, I'm muting you. No one is hearing you right now. And you will listen to me a little. Stop. Okay with the lies that we are creating about Emunah and Betachen. We all have Emunah and Betachen. We might need a shiran to help us bring it in our lives more, of course. You might need to speak to a Rav about that. Anxiety is not an Emunah and Betachen situation. What this kid needed, let me ask you something, if someone's got a broken leg with Emunah and Betachen taking out the safer, will his hip, foot no, get not, healed? No, no. Why not? In conjunction with therapy. Why not? Why won't Emuna Batachan help his broken leg? Please tell me. I have Emuna no, and Batachan in the, the Rabbinic. Sh- Wait, why are you saying together? I first want to take your Emuna Batachan, Shaila. The person's got a broken leg. Why isn't the safer helping? Well, number one, if you if he believes that only the therapist is going to help him and not the, not Hashem, then that's uh, not, number not one reason why should topic. Keep to the topic over here. The person's got a broken leg. Walk into the hospital till the hospital shut down. Here is a safer and a moon and betachen. Let's break mm-hmm. this false belief. Emuna and betachen okay. is in hashkafa. How do you know if someone's got a moon and betachen? Very simple. Are they mechal shabbos? Are they worried about Averis? Do they but believe their Bishlam has the we best need to in mind? All the time? What? Isn't it something we need to exercise all the time? Of course. But you're referring to someone's got anxiety, doesn't have a Munam Batachan. Let them exercise that second. The person's got a broken leg. Exercise okay, let the me, belief. Let me explain what's happening now. I don't want to know this what's happening now. I want to change. This is a great awareness topic. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I want it. you to recognize. Now let's clarify. Emuna and Batachan is something we have. You can have Emuna and Batachan, but if you are doing the wrong steps, just like the Rabbi Shalom gives a bracha 
or write, rapa yerapa, there's a mitzvah for the doctor and for us to heal ourselves. The same is with anxiety. Anxiety is because of the way we think. We have broken a leg. We have negative patterns that we are following. has nothing to do with emuna and betachan. Emuna and betachan is very simple. Uh, do you believe the Rabbi Shalom does the best for you? Do you have betachan to jump into a fire if that's what you need to do? Not that you will get saved. Betachan isn't saying, I believe if I jump into the fire, Al Kiddush Hashem Hashem is going to save me. No, it's the right step and there's no Ilum Haba. And I will do what needs to happen. That's Betachan. You've mm-hmm. taken a concept. Wait, hold on. Yo, no, no, no. Me- You've just tried controlling the Rabbi Nishleilam. Means if I do everything right, now the Rabbi Nishleilam must do what I want. So if I have a moon and Betachan, therefore all my problems will go away. Absolutely not. Emunah and betachen is that this is where I am now in the process. This is what the Rebbe wants. I am a Kabul B'Ahav and I'm going to work on it. Now, your friend mm-hmm. comes from a very messed up background with a very messed up past and he might need years of therapy. He might even need a therapist to drop him. I've got a client now that I'm dropping now the second time because of his painful past. He still doesn't want to take responsibility. I told him, no problem. We're dropping you. Come back eight months from now when you might be more ready. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let me ask a question. Basically, I, he seems he 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 seems ready to to. He seems like he's done enough um, therapy and everything, but basically he's scared Proof is to in get the out of Is his, he better or not? Um, well, physically he's getting terribly constipated. But I think I spoke to him, and this, basically it, it turned out that he's got a fit. His body's producing this constant, you know, making him constipated because he's got a fear to. Ha- it sounds gonna, to me like so normal. many people. Uh, this, I, I don't enjoy all these, these, these thoughts. He's so many years been ill and been, and suddenly he's gonna. Well, I've got all the responsibilities suddenly coming up. If I'll be normal, then I'll have to do this and that, and I'll have to do. Ah, so is he ready? So Does that make sense? Of course. Now that means therapy. That's what therapy. We need to teach this person life. We need to teach this person how to get into responsibility. And that, unfortunately, when someone comes from such a background of no teaching him any of that, you know what this guy wants to do? Let me tell you the jobs he wants to do. He wants to do real estate, where he can sell, make millions, and not have to be structured to time. He wants to do the stock market, where you could just invest in stocks and not have to deal with timing of being at a job. This person wants to do life insurance. Yeah. Exactly. His brain can sometimes just shut down because he's for so many years. Now, so what I would suggest is since this is one of the most complicated cases out there, do not even think you're helping him. The more you help him, the worse you're making it. Only licensed professionals with a lot of experience. Mm-hmm. Do not go to anyone that's mm-hmm. in the first three years of therapy, uh, that graduated in the last three years for this case. Absolutely not. And you will need to be mm-hmm. speaking to that same therapist for guidance because you actually might be making it worse with all your suggestions. Go to someone that has already path, that has gone down that path. Mm-hmm. Don't try to be creative with the yes. most hardest cases. If you know someone that's having a heart attack, are you going to start? No, I was sp- trying to help him. I was just he, he he agreed to me. He's very clever, and he kept on saying which you know exactly which to you means you're trying to help him. And he him. thought that Minu Betochen could also could help along. He, and I am telling you, Minu Betochen is not what's there right now. If you give this guy a choice right now, right now, Chas he, Hashem, he, go go into a church, or if someone forces him to be, to be niftal kiddush Hashem, he'll do that. Means he's got the Minu Betochen. No, don't, you okay, don't, you are, you are not, I'm trying to be very clear to you, you are stepping in a minefield, you should not be helping him one word without speaking to a therapist that has experience, you are harming him, you might be creating mm-hmm. doubt in him that he might not have a Munah when he's got 
I just had a client where we've gone to the Gedolim in America just to tell him that he's got Emunah Betachem to clarify that so I can do the other jobs. Mm-hmm. I need who, you to who, recognize... Who would you suggest? Do you know of anyone in England? Um, I would never say on air because never I say on air means I endorse this one and that and not that one. Any Rav, whichever mm-hmm. Kehila that you have, whoever's the Rosh of the Kehila, let him discuss it with him. Rosh of a Kehila means that they get all the problems. Not the little ones that has... Now, I don't want a little a, a Rav, but someone that only has 10 Mispalim or 20 Mispalim will not have the experience of a Rav that gets that has 500 mispalim and that has another 500 people that ask him questions. So this person's got a pool of 1,000 people asking him questions over 15, 20 years. Chances are he's got experience. This is a question which mm-hmm. needs experience. And then that therapist will guide you because if you tell him, will Amunim Batachan help you? You've just created a doubt. Maybe I don't have Amunim Batachan. And what the first thing I do with them when a client's got anxiety is I show to them how they've got a munabatachan and how it's a medical issue. It's a broken leg issue, not a shailan hashkafa. Mm-hmm. Okay, thanks very much. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Pleasure. We are going to Rachel on line one. Rachel, you're on the air. Okay, thank you. Um, I have a question. Um, regarding self-care versus caring for my children. Okay. Um, I'm part of support groups that are very vital for me, and I go to therapy Yes. Um, about once a week. So the problem is the groups fall out. The timing is usually bedtime, and my husband's not available. He comes home afterwards from work. So it comes into conflict with caring for them um, or creating the chaos of leaving and leaving them with the babysitter. Yes. So while I'm trying to better myself, they're suffering, and is it, does the ends justify the means? Let's put it this way. The muscle that we've given before about, about on a plane, you first put oxygen on yourself, or in lifeguarding, you first got to protect yourself. And let's take this simple concept. The amount of times we've heard on callers here, forget about clients that I've seen, where the person tells you, that my mother suffers from anxiety, I suffer from anxiety, and I see my kids suffering from anxiety. And the answer is, by you taking care of yourself first, it might take you three years to get better, and your kids might go for three years in havoc or no structure or pain. But after the three years, you might be healed. You might have now the tools that you can teach them and restructure. However, let's look at your life without going through the havoc these three years. So it'll be three years from now. You will still be just as unhealthy. And forgive me for just being so blunt because I really have mm-hmm. no idea who you are. So I'm just like being this concept. Okay. Uh, I'm just taking more extreme. So let's assume you wouldn't get better. You'll still have that unhealthiness. And three years from now and five years from now and ten years from now, all we can teach is as much as we know. So you will be reteaching the unhealthiness. Now you tell me which is better for your kids. Three years of unhealthiness, but eventually you'll be able to, to correct and teach them healthiness. Or continue having 10 years of unhealthiness, 20 years of unhealthiness, having your kids married, and every time they got to come to your house, and that fear of that unhealthiness still continues. Mm-hmm. What yeah, choice would you first. make? What? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely the first option. Yeah, now, by the way, I feel I'm still like riled up from the last one, so I'm sorry if I was a little no, tough on you now. Yeah. So let's just no, take yeah, it gentler. Yeah. Let's take it gentler. My belief is at all times, we got to get better. Anytime we get better, there are changes. And anytime we get better, there are changes, we will be stressed. So going for therapy, going for groups, I want you to know will make changes. And then when you're aware you got it, sorry, the groups will create the awareness. And when you got to make changes, you're battling yourself, you're going to go nuts. 
So mm-hmm. I shared on my phone my last week, Friday, how three days I didn't do the questions and answers and how frustrated I was and how, why I couldn't do certain things. And I felt comfortable sharing that because I'm making major changes in my life. And on a level that I believe Mertzim can change Klyosol for the better. However, mm-hmm. for these changes, I am fighting myself and I'm stressed. Now, I've got a choice. Maybe I don't make the changes. I don't take the sessions on myself. And this way, I'll stay in the box that I am. Or do I grow, get frustrated? It'll take me several weeks to work it out. But after those several weeks, I will master the new level. Right, growing pains. That's right. And as long yeah. as we're alive, there's going to be growing pains. So now let me ask you, do you want to have the growing pains now? Or do you want to have, for the next, let's say, two, three years? Or do you want to have growing pains for the rest of your life? Well, so what comes to mind I'm sorry, is that, let me is rephrase it okay the words. Do when you my want, kids are young? Sorry, let's or do should I wait till they're let a little older? Let me rephrase it. Let's rephrase it and I'll take your question. Do you want to have growing pains for the next three years or do you want to have pains for the next 20 years? Uh, definitely three is more, That's right. more so manageable. That, yes, now let's go. What was yeah. your question about the kids? So should I take these three years when my kids are so impressionable, so young, and it's more traumatic that I'm out or wait and when they're a little older and they could handle it better? I have a different take on the matter. The longer we wait and the more times we try blaming it for the kid's sake instead of taking responsibility of changing ourselves, the... Careful, because the camera might just see you. <laughs> Oops. Um, so the... Sorry, someone just popped into the studio room. Um, again, so the more... What was it? The more... What was I just saying? The more, <laughs> yeah, the longer you wait. Yes, the longer you wait and the more we justify it, we want to know, are we really doing it for the kids? Are we doing it for ourselves? And we got another blame. Uh, okay. What do you think is the answer? Um, well, I'm going by your first answer, that it'll be healthier for the kids to change as yes. soon as possible. Now, okay. let me also give you another bit of belief that I have, and that is while we are going through the changes, while we go through that stage, it's actually healing our children. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I share with my children are some of the difficulties that I'm going through. My kids, mm-hmm. probably my wife knows most of all, of all those goals and plans that I have. But my family knows a lot of plans, and I'm sharing with them the difficulties and how hard it is for them to know that changes are hard. But when it's from within yourself, your passion, your shirish that's telling you this is what I got to do, it's invigorating. Interesting. Okay. So this way my kids know they don't go into the full thing. So my son or my daughter will tell me, you know... Um, this kid got a hundred, or we're just talking about someone that plays a beautiful piano, and we go, yeah, but what did it take to get there? Yeah, this guy must have practiced. Nope, I don't want to practice. No problem. So you won't do as well. They're able to identify, not going with those false beliefs, oh, he just woke up, or she just woke up, and she's a talented pianist. Yes, she might have the talent for that, but the hours of work gets put in there. Anyone that's in Carnegie Hall all knows the hours, the thousands of hours that was put in. And this might be something you can even share your children now. Mommy is going because mommy's working on getting better. You don't have to say it's therapy. You could say I'm learning how to do something, and it's hard, but as I get that, I will be better for that. And you kids, that's a great thing for you to learn. It's a shame. You want to be successful in learning. You want to be successful in school. You're going to work as hard as mommy's doing. You're going to work, work as hard as Tati's doing. Remember, when everyone's going to say, look how successful they are, you know the truth, how much hard work it was, and therefore you can now use it in your life. Okay, that's great. Yeah, a many times people tell there. me, why don't you do this yeah. little project? And in my mind, I go, oh, to you it's a little project. To me, I hear all the 
stresses and heartache that's going to go into that. Now I'm going to do an evaluation. Does it pay to spend my energy in that or somewhere else? Okay. Now, this is worthwhile energy. This is worthwhile. This is also a teaching experience to your children. Mommy is going out now because you don't, they might be too young to understand group therapy. They might Mm. not want to know that mommy has now a certain disorder that's unhealthy. But what we could tell them is mommy is taking classes on how to stay calm. Mommy is taking classes on how to manage work better, which will also help your kids. Mommy is going to take classes, not how Tati shouldn't be such an addict if you're, let's say, in an Al-Anon group, but just the concept, you know, mommy is taking classes on how to better herself, how to have more skills to be a better salesperson. They don't have to know what that is or what you're doing. But as I get better, look, I had to leave. Look, it didn't go smooth. And I love that all the time. I'll share with you and with everyone on air. It's amazing that the more successful I get, the more people I'm meeting that told me I put you on the map. And I just tell them, thank you for all the help you've done. And Mm -hmm. I'm going, wow, so you're going to take credit for everything that I've gone through? Like, could you leave me 5%? Most of the time, they'll probably give me 5% for my credit, and they'll take 95%. So the more successful I am, the more people are telling me that they made me. I just tell them, thank you for everything you've done. But you and I now know how hard it is for you to go to groups, how hard it is for you to go for therapy. You know that I'm going for therapy for years now. And I do major mm-hmm. work. And I do it much Shabbos at night sometimes, two and a half hours. I purposely sleep Shabbos afternoon so I can have fully rested You know, when I have my sessions. And I thank the person that does that for me at that crazy hour and his wife and family for taking care of that. But That's we're nice. putting in the effort. Anyone that knows where I got to or how I got here knows it was a huge siyata deshmaya, knows a lot of people has helped me. I give them tremendous credit and the hard sweat and work that I put in that my, pa- my family, my parents, and my kids have paid the price as well for. Nothing has come easy. I don't think anything mm-hmm. their Shalom has ever sent me really went smooth. He sent wow. me huge amounts of Ashpoiz Taivas, more than I deserve and more than I'll probably deserve in several Gilgulim for how good he's been to me. However, he still made me work. Right. To get and there. To get there. Mm-hmm. And to actualize mm-hmm. it. And that's the secret. If you can give that to your kids, that I feel makes it very, mm-hmm. very helpful. That's very good. Just a little cute thing. Um, I've told them before, your mommy's... You know, By the way, I'm feeling become... a little bit played right now because I'm just putting oh. two tunes together. I think I might know who you are. That's okay. <laughs> okay. But, um, well, I'm glad I, I realized I, now and not earlier. Okay, but I've, like I've told my kids, you know, um, I go to means so I become a better mommy. So, like, once they used it against me, which is, I was okay with it. They're like, you know, I, if, well, once I got upset, and they're like, Mommy, you have to go to a meeting. So and the answer, was, yes, good. And the answer is going to be mommies get upset. You want to give them permission mm-hmm. to get upset. But right. mommies get upset in a healthy way, in a calm way, in a balanced way. Not getting mm-hmm. upset is not healthy. Being upset and staying upset for days, I'm sorry, this is not because I know you, so this is just saying this for the information. When someone gets upset and they're upset for days, they don't talk to children. The amount of times I hear that where the parents got upset and didn't talk to them for several days, that's not healthy. Getting upset is healthy. As I'm sharing, I was frustrated last week. I couldn't Mm -hmm. do a question and answer. I'm doing major shifts in different areas in the business. And with, I shouldn't use the word business, with helping people on a grander scale, but to make changes, a lot of the old people, which don't want the changes, needed to go through the changes. And it was highly frustrating for me being trapped in their wants, this wants, and everything that has to happen until I was able to free myself from that. I Mm -hmm. shared with people stress. Stress is a reality. But those two, three days, I did not do a question and answer because I didn't want that frustration in the question and answer to come out. 
I didn't feel it was right for the question and answer. But once I made the choices, once I identified why I am stressful, I was able mm -hmm. to recognize what changes had to be made by making changes is what gave me the ability, the awareness to now make those changes. And once I've made changes, it's so much smoother. So if your kids go, Ma, you need to go to a meeting to stay calm. No, no, no. Mommy goes to the meetings. She stays calm and mommies get upset, just like kids get upset. What mommy has gained is that mommy's now calmer after five minutes. Mommy's able mm. to give you a hug and a kiss at night. Mommy's able to still prepare supper when she gets angry. In the past, I might have had a hard time. Now, I don't know if you want to share that with them. You could just tell mommy's doing better, but you can share that with your husband. Look how I've okay. grown in the positives. I'm a huge believer in looking at positives, and you can do that. And the positive is yes. I couldn't make supper for three hours later. I didn't give the kids supper. Now I gave them cereal and milk. Now I let them take whatever it should be. They had fruits and vegetables, even though I was stressed till I made the supper. Identify the positives. Positives are mm -hmm. major. And That's a great message because when I'm trying to change, I get frustrated that like I'll slip back into it a little bit. You so will, good to know oh, the I advance you level. to slip till 120, you and your husband together, and I give myself that same bracha. Slipping means we're alive. Mm -hmm. How okay. far down we slip, how long we get stuck there is where our growth are. Very good. Okay, thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you for calling in. And uh, <laughs> I got it. I'm pretty sure I got it. We'll find out. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Thank okay. you. For those that would like to call in, the question, the number is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. We are going to take two, three questions over here from the Lakewood Scoop and ask your call in. You can get your question in now. I am a mother in my mid-20s. I've been diagnosed with celiac disease for a couple of years. I've kept the diagnosis quiet besides my immediate family, my in-laws, and few relatives. The reason being because that I like to be treated as a regular person. I don't want people to make a big deal. Change, change menus for me. Yes, yes, yes. In the back of my mind is my children's shaduchim, but that is not applicable for many years and will ask the appropriate child then. My question is, I sometimes feel like I'm not being honest with others, almost as if keeping something a secret that shouldn't be, that, should it, that shouldn't be being that celiac is quite common these days. Is it a valid feeling? Would you recommend that I open up and tell others? For me to suggest for you yes to tell or not to tell is very inappropriate. And for those of you that know me, I'll never tell a person what to do. What I will tell you to suggest is keeping a secret, having dual personalities within yourself, that's the problem of all secrets and of abuse, is that it alienates us from the world. So the whole world might think great for you. The whole world might be happy for you. But you feel you've got a deep, dark secret. So my first thing is, if you feel that you can trust a Rav, speak to a Rav about it. If you feel you can speak to your family, speak to your family about it. If you also like, speak to a therapist about it. But most importantly, support group. What you're talking about is, I feel, is more support group area, where you can have five people that all suffer from that the same. And you can just share, and you'll feel there's a bond, and you'll hear what other fears others might be happening. By the way, for those of you just called in, I'm sorry, I just realized you called. Please call again. We will take your call. We just had like several people call in all at once. So call again. We'll pick up, put you on hold, and take your questions. So the number is 718-683-5858. So my feeling really to you is take a support group. Find, because you'll find how normal you are. And having a family of people that understand exactly what you're going through is an amazing power. That's the beauty of a support group. And yes, in therapy, you might be able to learn that we all have secrets and not needing to share every one of our secrets with everyone. But if you can't share it the beginning stages, then what happens is 
you feel alienated all over. So if I have my biggest issue, if I could share it with one person, then I feel comfortable doing that. That is the goal that we would like us to recognize. Share it. Don't keep it in, but I would not recommend you share it with everyone because you don't know where they're up to and what their belief and what they might say. Second question over here from the Lakewood Scoop is, I'm a mother of a large family and often I have to be strict with my children by ignoring them if they don't cooperate. Will this affect their self-esteem? Thank you. I grow every week more and more from your show. Sounds to me that you want to be more confident in your ability to be a parent and in using the tools. My recommendation is take a parenting course and they will help you out with the confidence that's needed. What is a parent's role in sibling rivalry? Once again, take a parenting course and with Siata Deshmaya, they will help you. We are going to Toby on line one. Toby, you're on the air with Mordechai. Yeah, hi. I've called before. Since you have availability, I'm going to ask one more question. And I'll give you the same permission that I will ask you. I will prepare you with my answer and tell me if you want to hear it or not. Okay, so actually a guy has called in a couple of weeks, a long time ago, with a question about an obsession he had. I think it was pulling his beard, and you gave him a great answer. I used it for something, and I want to use it again, but I can't remember what I did. Good. Tell me again. Okay, what was, your, what was the tool that helped you? That's what I remember. I think you told them that, um, he, that the mind controls, um, that, that it's a part where the mind controls instead of him controlling the mind. And you gave him a tool how to stop it, and it worked. But I can't repeat it, and I would love to. I would probably need a little bit more help about that because... I answer each question as when I work with a person, I'm using all the tools in my toolbox that I know. Okay. And for certain people, I'd use certain tools. So one of the so steps I is... I want to use it. I'll tell you what I want to use it on. I have uh, uh, an obsession of eating at night. I have a hard time controlling snacking at night. Yes. And I used it on something else that I was doing, and I stopped doing that thing. And now I want to do it on that, but I can't remember what I did. Okay. So how would you like me to help you? If you can repeat that answer that you gave the guy that he said he's, killing, he's pulling his beard while he's learning. And you told him that in the beginning you should hold the pen um, so he doesn't get to it. And you told him... That one I remember. That was a simple behavioral okay. tool that I did. What I recommended right, was I to touch the thumb, which means right now there's... But just to recognize, we never, we didn't heal it. We're just giving a behavioral changing response and it's not a behavioral therapy. What behavioral therapy response is, is that when you feel the need to touch the beard or you feel the need to eat, do another behavior. That is, again, the tool... Thank you for jogging my memory. That is a tool that they did... For people that would smoke, that they would either have toothpicks in their shirt pocket or this way they would have a pen that they would chew or put in their mouth this way their hand is busy. So the recommendation I made to that guy with a beard that he actually sent us back saying it was the first Shabbos in years that he wasn't Machal Shabbos out of pl plucking his beard was that he touched his thumb every time. He had a need, he would squeeze his thumb. So let's say what I use it on, let's say it's not that, but an example is similar to biting the nail. And I completely stopped. Excellent. Very but I good. didn't do something else instead. I just, I just told myself that I'm controlling, not my brain, and it worked. Good. But it doesn't work on, 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 on this 
um, again, that that's why I told the person it is one of the band-aids that we use. It's not the uh -huh. main method of therapy. And your brain, you cannot fool your brain. It means your brain is going to fight it if instead of recognizing what's going on inside. So therefore, when you do behavioral therapy, you need to use the behavioral therapy. You need to use the inner subconscious work as well as the logic therapy. So I'm a believer in the ILA theory, as I call it. The inspiration is the subconscious. L is for the logic, for the cognitive therapy, and... A, for the action is behavioral therapy. So in order to help a person, you really need all three. You can't just cheat with one. I, but it's a cheating tool to use as a Band-Aid, these, these steps. But really, to heal someone, you need all three together. All right. Thank you. You're very welcome. We are going to Ruchi. Ruchi, you're on the air with Mordechai. Hello. Um, I want to ask a question regarding the answer you gave to Sarah. Yes. Um, so you said that a person that will, will throw himself into fire um, means that he has a minimum betuchen, right? Yes. So what if a person that is ready to throw himself into fire, he'll, he won't do it, he'll be scared to do an avira, but he'll, he'll get lost if something doesn't go his way, he'll That's be control. angry if something... That's inner control. Now you need inner tools how to deal with that. Now you need so that means betuchen. He has a lack of betuchen. No. Lack of betuchen, and this person wouldn't jump into the, into the fire. Why let's, not? Let's, take your question. There's, there's Let me, let's do it your way. Let's rephrase it back to you. So if a person has a broken okay. leg and they're not getting healthy, it must be because... It must be, why isn't it working? They have betuchen. Why isn't their foot healing? Why go to the doctor? With the no, I'm not talking about ill person. What's the difference? A person that's controlling is an illness. They are taught a certain way of thinking. They need to be taught a new way of thinking. It has nothing to do with the svarim. This is 10 sessions, if the person's healthy, that we can go through the process of what's needed. It's a thought pattern, not a bitachon. We don't even need to bring the rabbi. We don't bring the rabbi. It's not a safer issue. This is over and over. This that I'm discussing is olive base. You speak to any Rav. How could a Rav have anxiety if they have a moon and betachen? Let's wake up. Rabbanim have anxiety. They just can't say it publicly because the people can't hear it. But the Rabbanim know it. Not everyone, but some of them do. You speak to the Gedolim right and left, and I speak to the Gedolim, and they refer someone with anxiety to a therapist. And they say, you've learned to swarm, it's not a safer issue. It's an emotional issue. You go to anxiety, elder Rabbanim are sending to therapists, litvish and svarim, and they're not saying, take out a safer. We're talking about after you've done the safer, we have identified yeah. it's a disorder. So why are we going over this question over and over? I really, now I'm, I'm frustrated a little. Because I'm, no, I'm not talking about anxiety. I'm just talking about day-to-day -day living. If you don't accept the situation as it is, if then you, that means you, you can't accept that what that what Hashem... Let's try it differently. If you were raised in a house where everyone officially... Um, let's do it this way. If you are raised in a house and you were told that uh, the color blue is really red, okay? So every mm -hmm. time you're seeing the color blue, you're calling it red. And now because you're calling it red, you're having a lot of stress and anxiety. What does that have to do with betachen? Someone needs to teach you, this is blue, not red. So when someone asks you, please go to the blue floor, push the blue button, and you're pushing the red button, and please name it red, and you're just pushing the wrong button, you're identifying it, you're making a mistake here. 
Right. Betachen, of course, betachen is about that what the Rebbein Shalom does for good. But I know what the Rebbein Shalom does for good is. Of course I know that. Deep down in my way, in my upbringing, or in the way I try to control life, I need to let go. Who will help me let go? Yes, if you can take the svarim, that's great. But deep down, but the anxious person doesn't even realize they have a betachen problem. Or they say it's betachen, but it's not working. It's a disorder. There's a way of thinking that anxious people have that need to be taught to rethink differently. Let me give you another example. If everyone wears a... I'm just going to pick something that does that's not real. If everyone's going to wear a purple tie and someone has a red tie, do you understand that they could be anxious that everyone is they're, they're different? Mm-hmm. Do, wait, yes or no? Could you understand if everyone wears a purple tie and one person wears a red tie, could you understand that they will feel self-conscious? Yes. Do you allow that? Why don't you say it's betachen? Their bunchline wanted them to have a red tie, so therefore they should be different. How about we can recognize... I don't understand the connection. Well, very simple. Why am I embarrassed? Why do I feel different that I have a red tie? That's what the Bunchlam wants of me. There is information that the Bunchlam has created in this world that we're supposed to be able to get in our childhood from our parents and through the school system of healthy ways of thinking. And one of those healthy ways of thinking is we are all an individual. means I will go with a red tie, you will go with a purple tie, someone's going to go with a blue tie. So if someone is blonde here and someone's black here, do they have to feel bad for the color here that Rabbi Shalom has given them? No. However, some people do feel self-conscious because people have given them misinformation. What I'd like you to understand is that most of the people that have anxiety, it's not about betachen. It's the way they were taught to think. Care about what the world says. Don't be any different. You make a mistake and you're a failure. These are their issues that they need to be taught how to make mistakes and feel calm with mistakes. They need to learn how at times to stop, that even though I'm successful or I'm not successful, there's a saying in English, in American English I should say now, don't throw good money after bad money. It means how to take your loss. These people of anxiety do not know how to take losses. There's a process of sessions of information that they're missing. It's like the broken leg that they don't know how to heal. If I have to heal a broken leg, I won't know how to do that because I am not a doctor. I'm not a medical doctor. What I find people with anxiety is they are missing the tools of life. And therefore their anxiety right. gets stronger and stronger. It's not about betachen that the Rabbi Shalom wants this for you. Right, I understand that 100%. Uh, so I don't understand what we're not getting. Please clarify to me. Because I'm not talking about someone with anxiety. I'm talking about a normal, healthy person. Of course, Betachen. No, who jumps to a therapist? Do you know anyone that wants to spend $175 on a therapist just because uh, I have a problem? I say it over and over. The first step is you speak to your family. Second step is you speak to the Rabbanim. Third step is the Rabbanim will then refer you to a referral agency or to a life coach because they might only need that. Next step is they'll send you to a therapist. Next step is you need medication. Next step is you need a facility or a hospital. These are all steps. Who's talking about jumping to a therapist? Rabbi I'm sorry. Ah, okay. Whoa. No, no, we're talking about someone that's coming in with a major disorder. This lady, Sarah, calls up with a friend or someone that she knows came from a, the most dysfunctional background, most dysfunctional trauma in their life, and now you start telling the person in Betachen? Rabbi Nishalem, you're causing more damage that way. Right. You have the rub diagnose that and assess that. There's a whole process. Do you ever go to the top cardiologist? You don't live in New York, but if you're around, let's say, Brooklyn or, you know, would you go to the top cardiologist in Manhattan, the one that takes $50,000 out of their pocket because your little pinky hurts you? 
Mm-hmm. Would you do that? No, of course not. So then, so, uh, yeah. so if you just have this, if, if it's difficult, then you do you do get help with betuchan. I won't even tell you that. If now you ask the child. No, 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 no. Don't turn me into a rav now. No, 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 no. You have a question like that. What do you do? Ask your parents. Let's go the first step. You don't call up to ask me what you should do. Your parents might say, no, 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 no. This is not a betachan question. You know you're driving us crazy. I heard B'Shem, okay, I'm not going to say that. Oh, I else could say his name. I heard B'Shem of David Cohen that he could tell an OCD question. I didn't hear it from him. Within 20 seconds, he can hear if the question is an OCD question or if it's a halacha shayla. Actually, I heard mm-hmm. 30 seconds. But uh, we got a message mm-hmm. from someone. I'm not sure which words I said, but they said it's called hishtadlis. So, probably going back to something else, to an old one. So, are we clear? Yes. Excellent. Very good. So, let's be clear Thank for you. those of you listening now. First step is, you have a question, you go, you're in school, you daven in the shul with Minion, assuming if we're from, you go to your Rav. You take out the Svarim that you've gone. You contact the Rav that you might not even know, but... Someone else, the Rav that you know about, you listen to his shiurim, there's wonderful organizations, that's got, contact the Rav on him, they're available, they're waiting for us to call. Unfortunately, do you know who the people that people call in business? The lawyers for information what to do. They're calling their tax accountants, busy, how do I save money? Amazing how many people, I spoke to someone that works in accounting, tells me how many people call him up for, how much do you charge for this and how much do you charge for that? But that guy's doing it cheaper. I wonder if these people call up their Rav on him as well for so many questions. I am going, I, one of my campaigns of this awareness is start contacting the Rabbanim. It annoys me when I get all these questions about Rabbanim and I go, who's your Rav? Oh, I don't have anyone. What? We don't have a Rav who we can speak to? Why not? We're from. We're Shemesh Shabbos. You have a Halacha Shalom, you don't have who to contact? Start creating the awareness. That's my goal. Contact. These questions first go to the Rabbanim. Especially if it's a Munan Betachan Shiloh, because it might be very complicated. The Rav is going to be the one that's going to say it's not a Munan Betachan anymore. Now it's a disorder, ways of thinking, your past, your programs. We can give you logic information. You might need subconscious information. You might need behavioral. That is something a Rav can identify and evaluate and say this is not a Munan Betachan. This is now a medical situation. For those of you that would like, call in. We'll take one more caller. The number is 718-683-5858. 718-683-5858. Whoops. I just see who sent me that Shiloh with the Rav just popped in. Okay. I appreciate it. Um, let's go over here to another question that we're going to take. Taking over here from the questions. Someone texted, can you please sampling clients? I'm not, can you stop sampling clients? Maybe it means giving examples of clients of mine. I would try the best, but I can't do that either. I will block, I will hide your confidentiality that no one could know who you are. But if it's very normal issues, part of what I will do is share from experiences that can connect that. So if you feel that I am giving away your information or any way that can relate that to you, I will apologize. And of course I won't do that. But things that I'm sharing are just normal unfortunately situations that i hear all the time so forgive unless you're a specific client tell me not to and we'll work it out but generally than that um this was a question i wanted to address how does one deal with young kids coming home from visitation from father or divorced home the kids come home rowdy wild and want to sleep don't want to talk 
They don't want to talk much. These visitations are not close together. What can a mother do to get back on track, focused, and back on regular schedule? Since I have experience working with people that go through the divorce process and after, I will tell you your question is so, so complicated. And I'm going to do be a little bit blunt. And that is because married together, you weren't able to work things out. Making Let's make the assumption the other one was unhealthy. After marriage, where there's a divorce, where there's hate and animosity, the other person, since you haven't, this marriage hasn't been able to master the tools of working things out, you're not going to be able to work things out because you're missing the tools. So many times what we can try, yes, is get the asking whoever mediated the divorce to try to help out with that. You might be able to work on things to try to get the kids home earlier. You might want to let them run around maybe an hour after that. You're lucky in a way that the meetings aren't too often. Many parents, not, not that it's a problem, but they have two, three hours uh, two, three times a week. Now let's go one other thing. Do you also realize how you might be partial bias, which is called projection? Don't want to make you say absolutely not, but there are different styles. Maybe your husband's more chilled out and the kids like the more chilled out style. When they're coming home, they're more chilled out and they're energized and that's healthy. And you might be too structured, and that might be even what caused the marriage to fall apart. So it's just continuing the pattern. But it might be so negative, the rowdiness that they have. They might not want to talk much. Maybe you want to talk how it went. They might not even have that need to. And even depending which kids, depending the age. And what's going on in your house? Are you remarried? Are there other kids? Do they feel comfortable with your husband, where, or your ex-husband, where he's not remarried? And there's, there's so much going on. So really, it's a complicated question. We are going to take Dina. We got two minutes left, so let's try to take your question as soon as possible. Hopefully, we can answer that. Yeah, no, I don't think so. It's going to be a little, maybe it's a little too long question. Oh. Um, okay, I've called you in a lot of time before, I guess, in different names. But Aaron, I guess just give me when we got the 30-second time up, so this way I'll know when we got to. Good, go it's, ahead. Okay, it's um, a question regarding a friend that has a very controlling, manipulating spouse. And there's also another sensitive issue here that she's more about Shiva, and I have to be sensitive around her. And this, her marriage is a second marriage for her. And um, we got into some kind of a tiff on, over something, and um, we got we were disconnected for a few months, of course, because of her husband and the. And I'm sorry, because of the controlling type he is. And now she's started. She's starting to want to, to reignite the relationship. I'll tell you what, you know. What? How about you call up next week? Okay. And Mary, we take your question first because it is so many points. Mm-hmm. We've got codependence. Yeah, We've got right. the dependent, the unhealthy person. We've mm-hmm. got you setting healthy boundaries, which the codependent person will break boundaries because they're living around someone without boundaries, and therefore they're so needy that they unfortunately become controlling, not even realizing how controlling they are. And mm-hmm. the more healthy you're going to try to be, the less she's going to want to interact. But mm-hmm. then she's going to want to come back and do it the old way, which won't mm-hmm. be. There is so much in there that I feel it's a 10-minute conversation with such awareness because codependence, unfortunately, is the biggest issue, second to the biggest issue that I find. Yeah, but dealing. her codependence is her husband, not her. No, she's the, co- she the codependent. The husband is the unhealthy person. She is the codependent. And you uh-huh. are the enabling the codependent to remain in the relationship unhealthy, which is very tricky. So you're almost in the role mm-hmm. of a therapist where the therapist has to know how to balance all that. Exactly. Very, very tricky, and it's a good 10 to 15-minute question. I feel the importance is so important if we want to help people how to do that. Mm-hmm. Thank you for calling okay, in. I thank you. everyone, and let's get the questions calling at the beginning. 
Looking forward to speaking to you, hearing from you. We'll see you after the Shmaya. And we all have a Ksivu Chasimatoiva Git Gebenshtiar.